Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Brad Kearns here, host of the Primal Endurance Online Mastery Course. It's finally launched. We're so excited to share it with you. Let's hear what Lindsay Taylor has to say about it. Be on the lookout for upcoming announcements about the Primal Endurance Mastery Course that we will be releasing very soon. I just had a chance to preview it, and it is going to be so rad, you guys. And I'm not just saying that because I am one of the featured experts. I am really excited about it. Brad did an amazing job with this. It's going to be such a great resource for people who want to dive really deep into the concepts covered in the Primal Endurance book and in the podcast. It's really amazing, you guys. I'm super stoked about it. Hey there, Primal Endurance listeners. This is Lindsay back with another Q&A episode of the Primal Endurance podcast. I'm happy to be here again to give you guys some A's for some of your cues. Before we get started, I just wanted to direct you guys over to our new website, primalendurance.fit. If you haven't checked it out already, go over there. It's again, primalendurance.fit, not .com. And there you can find our blog, our podcasts, our Primal Endurance athlete success stories, and really exciting right now, you can find all the information about our new Primal Endurance online mastery course that is finally available. It is really exciting. It's over 120 videos from various endurance athletes, experts, coaches on every topic in the Primal Endurance book and more. It's the whole book brought to life with just an unbelievable amount of new information, so much that I actually still have not gotten through all the videos, and I've had access to it for a couple months now, so it's really, really exciting. If you guys are interested in checking it out, head over to primalendurance.fit, click on About the Course. You'll see all the information about what the Primal Endurance Mastery Course comes with. You can click on Preview the Course, and you can sign up for the preview videos that Brad made and a copy of the uh, one of the eBooks that comes with the course. So definitely head over to primalendurance.fit and check it out. If you have questions about it, you can email us at info at primalendurance.fit. And head over to our Facebook page also and join the Primal Endurance Facebook group. And you can find me there basically every day. You can ask me questions over there as well. So, okay, enough business. Let's get to the questions. Let's start with one from Dominic. So Dominic says, I am new to the Primal and Paleo scene and am enjoying the podcast. But I wanted to ask how and when you know you are a fat-adapted athlete. I was a heavy carb eater, but I've always done at least one fasted training session a week. I do often get GI issues when doing so when I go for runs, not on the bike. So I'm now moving over to a low carb diet and wondered how I will know I am a fat burning beast. I understand this is a very individual process, but is there a particular marker that will indicate a successful transition? That is a really good question, Dominic. So let me just start by reminding everybody that Fat adaptation is not like this biological switch that you just flip where one night you're going to go to bed a car burner and then the next day you're going to wake up a fat burning beast and you're going to feel amazing. That isn't really how it works. Um, You know, fat adaptation is a process. I always think about being fat adapted as being on a spectrum where you can be, you know, not at all fat adapted to really quite fat adapted and depending on where you start, you know, it may take you longer to get towards that fat adapted end of the spectrum. 
Um, but there are some signs that you should look for if you want to know kind of how you're doing in terms of your fat adaptation process. There's no one particular test, but let's talk about some of the signs. So um, probably the easiest and the, the one that's going to be the most obvious to you when you are kind of on this journey, you know, you've started to eat a lower carb, high or fat diet. You've started to adopt the primal endurance principles of slowing down, keeping your heart rate below 180 minus age. You're doing all your exercise aerobically now, so you're not stimulating your uh, carb burning, your anaerobic system as much. You should start to notice first and foremost that you are, one, not necessarily as hungry when you wake up and maybe not hungry at all when you wake up. You know, the more fat adapted you get, the more you should find that when you wake up in the morning, you do not have this urge to have breakfast right away. And then the second thing that you'll find is that you are not as beholden to a regular meal schedule in general. So if you're a person who right now kind of eats a traditional breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, 7 a.m., noon, 6 p.m. or whatever, or if you do, you know, every two or three hours, you do a mini meal, you should find that sticking to that is no longer necessary. So you can either, you know, delay your meals by an hour or two. Some days you're only going to eat two meals, you know, some days by accident or on purpose, you may actually just choose to intermittently fast and find that you only eat, say, one evening meal, or you do eat breakfast when you wake up and then sit down to work and you're working really hard and you look at the clock and you're like, oh, it's 3 p.m. I haven't eaten since six this morning. And you really weren't super disrupted by hunger or by, you know, getting hangry or something like that. So not being beholden to a regular meal schedule and being able to skip meals with relative ease is probably the sign that people are going to notice first. Now, this isn't to say that you're not going to get hungry anymore. Like, obviously, you're still going to get hungry if it's been a good long while since you've um, had something to eat. And also, I want to caution that if you are on this kind of fat adaptation journey, if you're working on becoming more fat adapted, and you wake up one morning and you're starving, that doesn't mean that you've somehow failed or, you know, done some sort of backslide. You know, sometimes you're just still going to be hungry every once in a while, depending on what you ate the day before, maybe your stress levels for, you know, women where you are in your menstrual cycles, you're still going to possibly be hungry in the morning. But just taking a bigger picture approach, you will find that you are less beholden and that you will be waking up more often and not feeling compelled to eat breakfast. When you do become hungry, you should find that you aren't hangry. So if you are a person who right now tends to get a little hangry, a little crabby when they haven't eaten as much, I have definitely found that whereas I used to definitely get hangry when I hadn't eaten before I started this whole low-carb lifestyle, um, now I just become hungry. And I can become hungry if I wait long enough to eat to the point where my hunger is unpleasant, but it's not that same hangry ready to rip someone's face off if they don't give me some food kind of feeling. It's just hunger. And so that's another good sign that you are becoming more fat adapted. As an athlete, one of the things you can look for is your ability to do fasted workouts. Um, So especially if you are going out first thing in the morning, as you become more fat adapted, you should be able to do this more easily, go out fast in the morning, and then go for slightly longer and longer sessions without fueling. So if as an athlete, you actually want to kind of put this to the test, you can actually, you know, diary or record how far and how long and with what kind of relative ease you can do fasted training in the morning. 
And there's no requirement as a fat adapted athlete that you must train fasted in the morning, but training fasted in the morning is a good way to test your fat adaptation. Also, when you do go for longer sessions, you should find that you don't need to fuel as often um, or with as many calories and that you can fuel with different types of fuel. So if you were someone who was super dependent on, you know, goo or gel or chomps or whatever before, as you become more fat adapted, I found for sure this was true for me that I was much more able to fuel with things like nuts and trail mix and nut butters, um, homemade bars that were nuts and a little bit of dried fruit and maybe a little bit of honey. So more real food fueling instead of being dependent on the sugar hit to keep going um, to you know stave off the bonk. So those are some good signs that you can actually use and kind of test if you're an athlete. You know, try f- going for you know maybe two hours without fueling, and then two hours and twenty minutes without fueling, and then two hours and forty five minutes without fueling, and just see how you feel. And you know, bring some fuel along with you just in case you feel miserable. But you can kind of test this to see. You know, it, am I getting better over time? And then lastly, you should see that your math tests are improving. Um, And that's not exactly a sign of fat adaptation per se, but it is a sign of uh, your aerobic base building. And those two things tend to go hand in hand. So um, you might see some of these things right away. So you might find right away that you can skip breakfast, but you're still kind of feeling hangry or that you aren't feeling hangry, but you're still kind of hungry when you wake up in the morning. There's not like a natural progression that everyone goes through these the same way. So don't stress over much about the exact details of these, but you should find if you say, look back over the last month, you know, after doing this for a while, like, oh, yeah, I see that from a month ago, this and this and this are different. So I hope that answers your question, Dominic. Next question from an unnamed person chose to remain anonymous. I recently started listening to your podcast and I'm presently reading the Primal Endurance book. I'm wondering how primal eating works for vegetarians. I have been vegetarian my entire life and cannot stomach the thought of critters of any sort, including fish and poultry. Any suggestions? So, yes, I have gotten this question or some version of it a couple times. And so I'm not going to argue here the merits of a vegetarian versus vegan versus omnivorous diet. Um, That is what the Internet is for. But I will answer... um, Kind of if you are committed to a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle, is it possible to still do primal endurance? So what I would say is that um, being primal doesn't mean that you are required to eat animal protein, but it does require that you get sufficient calories without eating grains or sugar. So, you know, a lot of vegetarians or vegans do eat a very grain-centric diet. And so if you really wanted to do the primal endurance training or the primal blueprint lifestyle more generally um, as a vegetarian or vegan, I would say that you do really have to make an effort to cut out the grains and the sugar from your diet. But I don't think it's impossible by any means to be a primal endurance athlete and be a vegetarian. So let me throw out some things for suggestions. So One is that if you're a vegetarian and not a vegan, if you would 
you know, be open to eating eggs and or dairy, that would help a lot, both just in terms of, you know, getting your daily calories, getting proteins, getting fats. Um, so, you know, if you're open to the idea of eating humanely raised pastured eggs and, um, you know, humanely raised local dairy, for example, those two things are definitely going to make being a primal athlete a lot easier. Another thing to consider is um, crickets and other insect protein. I know that sounds weird and people are not necessarily into this yet in the West anyway, in America for sure. But um, cricket protein is available. There were actually some cricket vendors at Paleo FX this year. You know, it's really sustainable. And for I know for some people who are vegetarian for ethical reasons, they find uh, crickets and other insect protein to be um, more uh, palatable. So just throwing that out there as a suggestion, regardless of whether or not you're going to eat eggs and dairies and crickets, um, you know, just from a caloric standpoint, you're probably going to end up eating more of what, you know, in the primal blueprint would be considered these borderline foods. So things that aren't super primal, but if they work for you, they're not terrible. So these are things like um, quinoa, legumes, lentils, things that, you know, an omnivorous primal person would not necessarily eat in large quantities. But, you know, you may eat in larger quantities in order to get calories and protein. You know, quinoa, legumes, and lentils, along with tempeh, which is, you know, uh, fermented tofu, um, can be can make up a larger percentage of your daily caloric intake if you um, don't eat meat. I would not recommend substituting these for vegetables. I would still want you to eat a large variety of colorful vegetables and um, things like sweet potatoes and other you know nutrient dense plants. But um, in terms of you know on the spectrum of you know is it lentils versus a bagel, like lentils 100% of the time. I'd also point you towards looking at um, spirulina, which is a blue-green algae, which is really high in um, protein, plant-based protein, and has a bunch of other benefits, although it's actually really expensive is the main downside to spirulina. But spirulina is something that you could look at incorporating in your diet, as well as hemp seeds, um, and I would actually encourage you to check out uh, Rich Roll. He's an endurance athlete who is also a um, very dedicated vegan, and he is also a badass and really strong and has maintained his vegan lifestyle for a long time. So you can check out what he eats. And so it's totally possible, but um, but you would definitely need to probably do more work to make sure that you're getting an adequate balance of uh, healthy protein along with sufficient calories. And then I would also just remind you to um, make sure you're getting plenty of healthy fats from you know, avocado oil and coconut oil and avocados and um, nuts and olive oil on your vegetables and that kind of thing. So even if you won't eat butter, you know, which is obviously a staple of a lot of primal fat and um, animal fats, definitely make sure that your fat intake is sufficient. And if you're ever wondering how primal something is, you can always just go to Mark's Daily Apple and 
put the food in the search bar and almost guarantee that you will find at least one article on the subject or a question from a reader that Mark has answered. I have never in all the years I've been reading Mark's Daily Apple gone and looked up a food that didn't have an article about it. So in fact, if you find a food that you can't find something on Mark's Daily Apple, come to Facebook and tell me because I am, I've actually kind of made it a challenge to myself, find something Mark hasn't written about. And so far I have failed. And then also um, one more thing to consider is possibly, and again, I would do some more research about this if you were really committed to the primal paleo lifestyle, but um, you can look at some of the more ancient grains and look into soaking and sprouting and fermenting them and um, incorporating those into your diet. So if you really feel like you need more calories and you want to look at incorporating a little bit of grains into your diet, look for the more ancient grains and then look into soaking and sprouting and fermenting as cooking strategies that, while not entirely primal still, definitely eliminate some of the objectionable health concerns about them and so make them a lot more um, borderline acceptable, I'd say. So can you do a vegetarian primal? Yes, but you definitely have to be very mindful about fats, protein, and calories is the take-home point. So unnamed person, I hope that was helpful to you. Okay, moving on. Let's go to... Suzanne. Um, Suzanne says, my goal is to feel healthy and more energetic, but also to maintain a good running base and overall fitness. I would love for you to give me an exact weekly outline of what to do, but I already know that goes against the laws of being primal. That is correct. So I guess my question is how to combine the primal, ob- primal endurance approach and the primal blueprint approach to fitness as someone who is currently not training for anything but just wanting to stay fit. Thanks so much for answering my questions. Okay, so this is actually a great question. I'm glad it came up because I think about this a lot um, when I'm talking to people who are doing primal endurance, but they're not training for anything. So Brad mentioned this on a recent Q&A show, but you know, the primal endurance approach to fitness and the primal blueprint approach to fitness are different because the primal endurance approach is specifically tailored towards people who are doing a lot of endurance volume. So, you know, the primal blueprint approach, and if you're interested and don't know what the primal blueprint approach is, go to Mark's Daily Apple and Google or search, put in the search bar, um, primal blueprint fitness pyramid. And there's a fairly recent post Within, I want to say maybe like February or March. I should have looked that up for you guys, but it's fairly recent. Um, introducing the new Primal Blueprint Fitness Pyramid that's been adapted a little bit from the original one. So the Primal Blueprint approach is geared towards anybody who just wants an overall healthy fitness base. And so it incorporates, you know, regular weight training, fairly regular sprinting, like once every seven to 10 days. Um, a lot of just kind of basic everyday movement. And it assumes that the those kinds of exercises are going to make up the bulk of your fitness activity. Whereas for an endurance athlete, obviously the bulk of your fitness-related activity is going to be training for your sport, whether that's cycling or swimming, or for a lot of us it's running, or you know, cross-training for um, triathletes, or for 
obstacle course racers is going to be this blend of both distance and strength. So, um, you know, Primal Endurance had to adapt the Primal Blueprint approach because endurance athletes are already asking so much of their bodies just by virtue of the fact that they're doing a lot of volume that the average Primal Blueprint enthusiast would not be doing. So if you are not currently training anything for anything but just wanting to stay fit, you might actually find that the Primal Blueprint approach is more appropriate for you um, just because it is broadly applicable to people with all sorts of fitness goals who are not doing a hardcore, high-volume endurance training um, regimen. But if you're a person who, even if they aren't training for something, is going out and running five days a week or, you know, cycling, you know, doing like maybe like a four-hour, fairly rigorous, you know, bike ride on the weekends and then doing, you know, maybe two, three runs during the week or otherwise is doing a lot of uh, volume, aerobic volume. And by aerobic, I mean more like chronic cardio style, not aerobic, like 180 minus age. But you're already doing a lot of chronic cardio whether or not you have a specific race in mind, um, and that is something that you intend to keep doing, then even if you don't consider yourself in training for something, if your volume is really high and you will not dial it back, then the primal endurance approach is right for you. So with the primal blueprint approach, there's kind of a more laid out, like this is what you do each week and then do this and then do this and then do this. The primal endurance approach is never going to be that way. So with the primal endurance approach, you know, you're basically going to do as much volume as you're doing, like whatever you're doing, that's what you're doing, right? But when you do your endurance training, you're going to keep it at 180 minus age, your heart rate at 180 minus age um, for as much as you can. And if you're not currently training for anything, you can decide to keep all of your workouts, what no matter what your sport is, if it's cycling or running or biking or rowing or whatever, you can keep all of your workouts kind of indefinitely in the aerobic zone. So you never have to exceed your aerobic heart rate of 180 minus age, and you never have to, you're never required to enter into any high-intensity periods where you sprint and do weights and whatnot. And, you know, you can um, incorporate some of the primal essential movements, the um, push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and planks when you're ready. But there's not going to be as, I would say, as big a requirement for doing the um, periodized approach. You can be a little bit more um, intuitive with it and just kind of pick and choose when you want to maybe do some more strength or some more high intensity or whatever. Um, I would not personally completely forgo the periodized approach only because I think strength training is really important for everybody, but you can be a little bit more loosey goosey about, um, being very rigorous about, okay, it's, you know, X number of weeks on, um, a period on a high intensity period. You don't have to lay out your whole training season, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, so really the decision about whether you're doing the primal endurance approach versus the primal blueprint approach is how much endurance volume are you doing? And if it's anything even moderately significant, then I say definitely the primal endurance approach is for you. If you're just looking to get healthy, then 
you know, maybe check out Primal Blueprint first and decide if you're willing to kind of dial back the chronic cardio or not. Does that answer your question? I hope so. It answers my question anyway, which is how to differentiate between Primal Blueprint and Primal Endurance. So I hope that was helpful for you. And okay, you guys, I think we're going to end it there. If you have not gotten enough of hearing from me and want to know what I think about all manner of other things, come find me in our Primal Endurance Facebook group. And until then, happy training, and I will talk to you guys next time. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching. And we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.